Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bolts, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, DFP Encounter. You can follow me on X at DFP Encounter. And with me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. You can follow him on X as well at Jacob Sanderson. I, I just noticed you didn't even put numbers in your X handle. That's true. Nothing. Um, just, just like Twitter. I'm only letters. Wow. Wild. Wow. But I have I have multiple letters. Maybe it, should I change my Twitter handle just to J? Oh wow, that would be that, that would total <laughs> curveball. Nobody would get it. They'd be like, who who is this yeah. guy? Jay I've never, had, I've never had numbers in my Twitter handle. I, I used to just be RTDB and then now I'm yeah. Jacob Sanderson. My my like a very, very first Twitter account was J L S A N D one six. So that one had numbers. There is the numbers. So you were you yeah. were number sixteen. Like that was your thing. Yeah, I'm, my birthday is February eighth, so two eight nineteen ninety seven. So nine plus seven is sixteen, and two times eight is sixteen. So sixteen. You're like over. a mathematician there. Impressive. Yeah, sh- it's it's shocking that I ever went into fantasy football and let a shocking. <laughs> um. Yeah, although my my underdog handle is like still really annoyingly Sander twenty six, and I I never thought that I would like when I first signed up for Underdog Fantasy, I never ever thought that I would become like a best ball podcaster and writer where like my <laughs> handle would be important. So it's literally just my student ID nice. um, from undergrad. Um, but then people like Miles Sanders like then came into the league, and then he wore twenty six. So people thought that it was just like a Miles Sanders. Like handle, or I was like a big fan of Miles Sanders. I was like, that's it's not like what I was going for, but that I understand why people think that. <laughs> my my DraftKings handle is sick. It's Devonte's Inferno, and it's it's from like 2017. So I was an OG Devonte Adams truther, like before he became good. There Just, we go. So that must like have been the year he became good, though. It was the year he became good. That was one of the yeah, and I had him on all my teams. He was sick, and then I named a DraftKings handle after him. Um, and uh, yeah, I also I once had a, a team on just like a regular redraft team that I named Devontae's Inferno, but it was after Devontae Parker, and that team wasn't as good. That makes sense because Devontae Parker wasn't as good, <laughs> so it was following its fearless namesake. That's the type of hard hitting analysis you get here is um, Devontae had it just better than Devontae Parker. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so carrying on from last episode, we we didn't get quite through all of the topics, so we will carry on. My wayward son, there'll be peace where you go. So what I want to know for you, something you don't normally do, I feel like you you just fanboy all the expensive players and justify all of their absurdly high prices. And what I want you to do now is to give us one absurdly expensive sell. Who is somebody... Say um, let's say top two, maybe three, top top three round startup ADP that you are absolutely not buying into, or or well, like you just are selling them. You don't have to not be buying in at all, but you're certainly selling them. So there are a lot of players here that I think are like, well, honestly, every single player in the top two rounds, like I think is really good, except for one of them. Um, well, use that one. Pick that. That's the one. You just nailed the but question. For, but for all, all of them, like, I, you know, there's several of them. I think their price is too high. Um, the, but yes. Well, actually, I guess, okay, there's two players in the top 24 that I think are not good. One of Those them is are the rookie, ones. So I'm going to, one of them is a rookie. So I'm going to leave him out of the mix. But there's one player who's played two years in the NFL, been terrible, and goes at 110. So Justin Fields, um, I think you're a massive mm. sell. Ouch. Take that, Bears fans. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the, the Bears fans um, will not enjoy the take. Um, I get why Justin Fields goes where he goes. Like, I, I understand it. If you're in a startup and you want an elite quarterback, which is a fair thing to want, most of the time, by the time you get to Justin Fields, Mahomes, Allen Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, Jackson Lawrence, they're all gone. Um, and I, I get why you would be trepidatious about Sean Watson or morally opposed or 
for any number of reasons. So I get why someone's like, well, I guess I just got to collect Justin Fields. For me, I think that's where the breaking point hits, where like Justin Fields last year was 24th in EPO, in EPA CPOE composite, has been graded among the league's worst quarterbacks by PFF for the last several years. If you look at like all the, several of the quarterbacks he's been compared to, these guys that can take a big leap forward, Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton even, Omar Jackson, their first two years as passers were, were quite a bit better than Justin Fields was, both in terms of qualitative grading and quantitatively. I get the prospect profile argument. That, I think, carried a little bit more weight for me after year one than year two. But really, if you're just looking at guys who became really good passers, who were mobile quarterback, but were not strong passers for two full NFL seasons, it's it's pretty much just Josh Allen in recent memory. I'm sure there's other ones if you go way back. But in terms of recent memory, like Josh Allen's really the only one who's been this ineffective. Um, like and the market buys into this, like not outside of fantasy world. Like the Justin Fields passing prop, I believe, is like thirty one hundred and fifty yards. Um, I I should have looked that up before I started this rant. Um, just to confirm. But if you want him, at like oh, it's oh my god, it's even lower. His his, his passing yards over under is two thousand seven hundred and seventy five point five. Two thousand seven hundred and seventy five point five. Like if you're drafting Justin Fields of the 110, what I would instead do is just put a thousand dollars on that. Uh, it's got to be so low, dude. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine it's as high as Fields, and Fields is abominably low. I feel like it's probably the same. Uh, Twenty six hundred point five is Anthony Richardson. So pretty close then. So it's actually pretty close, and Anthony Richardson is a rookie. So, yeah. um, and and like, a bad rookie at that, like. Right, There's no evidence, that and I think that guy. people. So to put into context, like what you have with Fields is you have serious real life questions about his abilities. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. say what you want about Justin Fields, say what you want about QB wins, but he was the starting quarterback for the entire season last year, and they just had the number one overall pick. So that's that's something. It's 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 not everything. It's also not like totally nothing. Um, and then you have the other issue with Fields where. Um, you know, from a real life perspective, it's number one thing we all get it. He takes way too many sacks that hurts him, um, because his sacks are taken away from chances of the ball. Also, of course, hurts his teammates, DJ Moore, et cetera, where he sacks, scrambles all these routes to give you a hint in terms of how rough this can be for his fantasy projection. I gave him 141 rush attempts for 832 rushing yards. That's the third best rushing season in the NFL this year, uh, behind Hertz and Lamar Jackson. If you want to put him first, that's reasonable enough. Um, and I give him six and a half rushing touchdowns. That's tons. Like that's seeing he's gonna rush for 50 yards every game. And he's gonna score a touchdown almost every second game. That's a lead rushing upside. I also have a pretty massive upgrade on his passes. Last year they threw the ball 377 times. I have Justin Fields for 445 pass attempts. That's like uh, about a 20% increase year over year, which I think is reasonable because they were such an outlier low. But I am factoring a pretty good uh, increase. I also have him. Um, throwing the ball for 3,207 yards, um, which that is in terms of his efficiency, that isn't coming in at 7.2 yards per attempt, which is also a pretty decent upgrade to his efficiency from last year. A lot of that's accommodating for just progression. Anyway, all of these positive signals for Justin Fields that I'm trying to bake into his projection leaves him at 18.41 fantasy points per game. That is in the same sphere as like Geno Smith and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. It's it's not even really challenging the Trevor Lawrence, the Sean Watson's projections that I have. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't draft him in line with this projection because his ceiling is just way, way, way higher than these guys. Where if he's really good passer, you add that to the rushing, he's blowing these dudes out of the water. Not suggesting you draft him according to his base projection. But I think he has legitimate like floor risks. And you don't even have to buy into the idea that he's legitimately bad you just have to like acknowledge that there's some question because the 10th most valuable asset in all of dynasty that's saying that this guy is the truth he's going to score a million fantasy points he's going to keep his job for a year or sorry for for like years and years and any sort of question to that calls calls him into an absolute ton of risk because 
I would rather at that point, if I've already lost out on all those quarterbacks and I don't want to take Sean Watson, I, I would rather just go ahead and draft Bijan Robinson. Probably just rather had to go ahead and draft, um, you know, consider trading down and see if I can add an extra asset and then get CeeDee Lamb or Garrett Wilson or one of those top wide receivers if I'm not comfortable just taking Deshaun Watson. Yeah, or just which I am, by the way, get Lamar Jackson or something like. Right, I would just trade up. Like I think there's such a cutoff after the top nine. I would just yeah. trade up and go try to get into the. Totally, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. He was one of my my candidates. Uh, Justin Fields. Is, so I have like this kind of like theory, I guess you can say, or a, a working principle, maybe. Uh, if I have to like convince myself that a player is going to be good and yet they're expensive, I'm probably just not in on that player. It's really that simple. If I'm drafting the top three rounds, I want to feel like I need to talk myself out of drafting this player, not I need to talk myself into drafting this player. So when I look at Justin Fields, I'm like, I need to make a case as to why this makes sense. When I'm drafting Lamar That's Jackson, a I need to make a case it. of why this doesn't make sense. And there's just no way to make that case for Justin Fields. Now, I wasn't overly concerned after his rookie year. We were buying after his rookie year, even though his rookie year was pretty bad. But after his second year, when they just literally wouldn't let him throw the football, I've lost all faith that that's ever going to happen. And I don't think it was just a matter of they didn't have DJ Moore. I think there's there's more to it than that. And I'm quite certain that he's not going to rush for record-breaking rushing yards again. And, yeah, I think he's probably somewhere in that, like, 18 to 19 point uh, points per game median projection of course if everything works out he could smash the world because he has the rushing upside to do so but it's pretty unlikely going to work out from a passing perspective right. and i'm just not that into it it's not even the yardage like i mean there's the rushing is a massive driver of fantasy points but like still the number one driver of fantasy ceiling at the quarterback position is passing touchdowns and in order to choke throw for a ton of passing touchdowns you have to be good you have to move the offense to put yourself in the red zone and then throw for touchdowns like I mean, I have Justin Fields for not a lot. I have Justin Fields for 19 and a half passing touchdowns, but Justin Fields has never thrown for a lot of touchdowns, um, and he's never led an efficient offense. So it's hard to expect him to throw for a ton of passing touchdowns. If we look at his Vegas over-under for passing touchdowns, um, I'm trying to pull it off right here. Um, it's 18 and a half. So I have him projected for one more than his uh, Vegas over-under in terms of passing touchdowns. Like, that's... I mean, right when we're looking at, he's being drafted around like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Like they might double him in passing touchdowns. Like they might literally double him in passing touchdowns. As, as not even like Honestly, a crazy thing. They might triple him. He might only throw fifteen passing touchdowns. And they might throw forty-five. Like it could right. Be so you you can't master. make that up on the ground. Like no. if you look at right, so, and, and obviously you're throwing for way more yards when you throw for that many touchdowns. So I think that's yeah. the thing that people sometimes forget is they just look at the yards and it's like, okay. You know, you rush for 800 yards versus a guy who rushes for 300 yards. You know, that's 500 yards when you look at how much that is versus passing. It's like 500 versus 1250. And it's like, okay, well, you can make up the passing yardage gap. But even if the that matches up, like, like when Lamar Jackson broke fantasy football, he ran for a million yards. He also led the league in passing touchdowns. He threw for, I think it was 36, right? Because it was a good offense. He was a good quarterback leading a good offense. I mean, that's part of why the ceiling case is so much there for Justin Fields, because it can all come at once. Like, if he's a better passer than we think, he's going to throw for more yards than we think, and he's also going to throw for more touchdowns than we think. And he goes from a guy who I projected at 18.4 points per game to 25 points per game. That's yeah. totally in his range of outcomes. That's why I'm still drafting him as a top eight quarterback in seasonal leagues. But but he, he like, needs that. Otherwise, he's... Otherwise, well, otherwise, you're looking more like a late career Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor-y type fantasy season. You're not Cam looking Newton at Lamar Jackson. with the New England Patriots. That's what I think his like floor. Right, like that is his floor, and that floor is bad. Like Cam Newton, right? I mean, we've seen rushing. We have seen rushing quarterbacks. Like, okay, let, let's what? back up because what? I feel like yeah. that's unfair. That floor isn't bad. That floor is bad when you're a no, first it's round not bad. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's horrible <laughs> for first round quarterback. Right. That's the thing. I think. I think we've recently. Well, okay. All the rushing quarterbacks that we've seen come into the NFL recently, by their literally never played like Trey Lance, so we just never got to see it. Maybe he will someday, but to this point, he hasn't. Or they've been awesome, right? Like Lamar Jackson was awesome. Josh Allen was eventually awesome. Jalen Hurts was awesome. Um. And then, 
And then, like Lance, we never got to see it. But what we haven't seen in a long time is a rushing quarterback play for a while and be bad. Like, we just we haven't really had that happen. But it has happened in the past. And they've been high in QB2s. Like, Vince Young was a high in QB2. Like Daniel right? Jones. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Daniel Jones, like, ran basically for the first time last year. Like, he ran he before. He didn't really bit. run. He well, ran like, a bit, but he was never running. Like, a, he wasn't... He wasn't breaking records. <laughs> right. Last year, he changed from a quarterback who runs sometimes to a running quarterback. Yeah. For the first time. Um, and, and Daniel Jones was what? The QB8 last year? Is that what he was? I think he was 10. Or was that his overall? Okay. Was he 10 or 11 points per game? Right. So that, that's, a, that's a good example of what you could be looking at with fields. Like, right? Daniel Jones didn't throw for that many yards. Didn't throw them past touchdowns. It's a massive floor raiser. And it was awesome because Daniel Jones was being drafted at like QB 26 or whatever last yeah. year. Yeah. Justin but, Fields was QB 26. Like, we're all in. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, frankly, when I, like, when I started playing fantasy more seriously, rushing quarterback wasn't thought of the same way that it is now, which now it's like your guaranteed ticket to a super high ceiling. It still can be that where it's your like, it's your extra ticket to an even higher ceiling than any other quarterbacks capable of. But it was the way that I first really envisioned it is growing up in like the, the late career Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor era of rushing quarterback, which was your, which was the guy you can draft at the very end of your leagues and score comparably to whoever's being drafted as the QB eight. It was like Tom Brady's being drafted as the QB eight this year, but I can get Tyrod Taylor and score the same amount of points. Like it was like a floor raiser, right? Yep. As long as Justin Fields starts, he's going to be a high floor fantasy option, but it it's not going to pay off that cost. If you're just getting Daniel Jones. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh uh, it's like a spectrum, right? Like I, I'm actually working on a thread right now for uh, like the Justin Herberts of the world where I'm like, yeah, like he, he's really good. I'm, I am in no way saying that Justin Herbert isn't a really good quarterback, but he doesn't have 26, 27 points per game in his range of outcomes because he doesn't. Not even possible. Yeah. It's not so possible. he like, if we, if we pinpoint what somebody's rushing yardage will be in a given year or like an expected yardage, and we're like, yeah, he's a 300-yard rusher, or he's a 700-yard rusher, or he's a 1,000-yard rusher. That moves the floor, the, the the anchor point. And then from there, it's, well, can they pass? Okay, great. Then they're Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or whatever. Okay, they can't pass? Okay, well, then they're more like Daniel Jones in the bottom you know, bottom QB1 range or maybe top-end QB2. Yeah. And with Justin Fields, I'm somewhere where – yeah, he's probably going to rush a lot. He's probably not going to rush for 1,000 yards again. He's probably going to rush for maybe 800 yards or maybe 900 yards if everything goes really well. And then he's probably going to pass for – I think it's funny. You were talking about your projection is like 3,200, and you said that his Vegas over-under was like 2,700. So you're projecting like yeah. 500 yards over Vegas, which is right. And obviously that's like going to happen a little bit because uh, Vegas, of course, has to take into account yeah. injuries whenever they're doing projections. And I don't do projections. So all my projections are ahead of the Vegas over-unders, but it's like, it's still like a little bit optimistic. Yeah. I feel like, and you don't like Justin Fields <laughs> and you're overly optimistic. Right. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So like the people I mean, that I, are and I there, tried on my projection really? to be, I like really tried to be fair because I know that I don't, particularly like Justin Fields, not like as a person, but I just, I know that I'm lower than Mark than him generally. So I like made it a point to be like, I'm going to try and be pretty liberal with this projection so that I'm like giving him a fair shake. Like, I don't want it to look like I'm just retconning this projection to screw over the guy that I say is overvalued. I was yeah. like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to juice this guy a little bit and then we're going to see what happens. And, and I was like, Oh, like we need to juice him by a lot more um, to, to see what happens that I was comfortable Putting, putting on the page. And the last thing I would just say is you mentioned trading up to Lamar Jackson. Like that's to me the move. Um, and even if not Lamar Jackson, like I'm, I mean, I'm a lot more into Lamar Jackson than the Herbert Lawrence group or whatever, but I'm a lot more into those guys and feels just because they seem like so much safer source of value to me. Um, yeah. It's just think of it like an insurance policy. Like if you're wrong about fields, the cost is already so high that he can't really gain in value that much. Despite, I think proving a ton. Like Lamar Jackson is currently the 107 and Fields is the 110. So if Justin Fields does everything you want from him, like he he's 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 just gonna be a mid first round pick instead of a late first round pick, like maybe that gains him 
like a late first in trade value or something at most. It's just it's a pretty inexpensive insurance policy on yep. such a high value asset, like on potentially the most valuable asset on your team to, to just make sure that you have a guy who for sure won't go to zero. Yeah, it's wild. So I want to I want to read this to you because it's it's kind of funny to me. Uh, these are all of the quarterbacks who had a rookie year passing grade from PFF lower than mm-hmm. Justin Fields that were bulletproof prospects. So like the really good yeah. quarterback prospects. Uh, Jared Goff, Johnny Manziel, Matthew Stafford, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. In year two, all of these players took different paths. Jared Goff got a mm-hmm. lot better. Matthew Stafford got a lot better. Trevor Lawrence got a lot better. Lamar Jackson got a lot better. Zach Wilson and Johnny Manziel did not get a lot better. Justin Fields did not get a lot better. So I'm a little bit concerned that Justin Fields passing is going the way of like a Johnny Manziel or Zach Wilson. Maybe it's not that bad, but it probably is. And that's just a little bit terrifying to me. Uh, And then even if you go up the list from Justin Fields, the better rookie player, PFF passing grades. We have like Kyler Murray and Marcus Mariota and Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson. Like all these guys were really, really good in their second. Even even Marcus Mariota was quite good in his second year. And that the was ones like one that good year, if I recall, I think it was his second year was his good year. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like his second year oh, was like his one like was was one really good year. I remember he was like all, he was my big breakout quarterback pick going into year three, and still waiting on that one. Yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, it's so like. <laughs> Pretty much everyone in his range or like, like, yeah, pretty much just everyone took a step forward, like a big step forward in year two or just completely face planted, crashed and burned out of the league more or less in three or four years or, or we're like a backup quarterback right. and just kicking around like Marcus Mariota. So yeah, I, like you're, you're basically, if you're betting on fields at his cost, you're betting that a number of plausible explanations for his poor play are not only plausible, but are basically certainties. I feel like you're just describing conspiracy theories to me. <laughs> it's plausible that everything right. went against Justin Fields and it's all going to work out in the end. It's plausible. I mean, and it probably, this is like the thing I think people forget is it's, it's also just totally possible that Justin Fields had a really shitty situation, but was also bad. Right, it's, it's not like every player who has a bad situation is secretly good. Some of them are, yeah. but some sometimes the situation is bad and a player is bad. It yeah. does happen. It doesn't like your surrounding cast doesn't absolve you of your own sins. Like Justin Fields could have been better as a passer as Justin Fields, and he was not. So I yeah I agree. I'm totally I'm totally selling Justin Fields at but who's, this. But who's possible. your guy? What's that? But who's your guy? Because that was my guy. Well, I was going to go with Anthony Richardson. uh, Right, which is kind of the same thing. Which is virtually, you know, like, we're going to be talking the same conversation with Anthony Richardson in, like, one year. (laughs) That we just had it with Justin Fields, I think. So, I think we can skip that one. I'm going to go with someone else. And the someone else I'm going to go with is... Who else am I going to pick? I'm going to pick Bryce Young. Uh, which is kind of kind of like for the record, you just you said to pick someone in the top twenty-four, and then you picked the guy who's ranked twenty-four. So that's... I said two to three rounds. Well, you took the good ones, you jerk. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with him. I mean, I could pick someone else, I guess. Let me pick someone else. Now I'm gonna pick him because I think that uh, I think that a lot of people are probably not thinking about this the way that maybe you and I are because I think you're also voting Bryce Young are you not at this cost at cost in dynasty yeah yeah yes yeah. I mean I think he's gonna be a really good quarterback for a very long time but it's, I think it's so too. too steep for me yeah he he's Bryce Young has a really attractive prospect profile he did a lot of really good things in college he was basically like he had like a really wild college career from the standpoint of he he was basically uh wire to wire the number one player in his draft class, like from he, I don't think he was the number one recruit necessarily in high school, but I believe he was the number one quarterback recruit. And then he was like the number one projected pick in the 2023 NFL draft from that day forward. And then he was the number one pick in the NFL draft. 
So I think it's pretty rare to see someone go wire to wire like that. Yeah, he like, was he was the number one high school recruit overall. Uh, oh, he was overall. Okay, yeah. he was number one national, number one quarterback, number one from California. He was given uh, five stars and a total score of one hundred and one on two four seven. So good for him. Like that's Trevor Lawrence esque. Like there, there's just that just doesn't happen very often where the number one guy actually lives up to the hype. So I think there's something to be said for that with with Bryce Young. Like he walked into Alabama, which was like a perennial championship team, and as the number one recruit in the world, and then played well enough to be the number one pick in the draft. And his as an underclassman, like he he didn't yeah. stay for four years. He came out after three years. Did a lot of really great things. He had really impressive uh, metrics pretty much across the board. And all that's great, except we're playing fantasy football. We're not playing NFL draft. And (laughs) when you're playing fantasy football, like we were just talking about with Justin Fields, where you have the anchor point of this player is a rusher and he will rush for this many yards. I'm pretty confident that Bryce Young is like the Mac Jones or the... Yeah, he's uh, not going to... He can't. he He would die. He would he would die. That's he's a stuff. tiny. He's a very tiny person. Like I, he's I like ten he, yards. He's like ten yards lighter than Devon A. Chain. Ten yards lighter. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I think I didn't know you were such a like uh, size aficionado. Like you, you were just reaming on poor little little tiny Deuce McAllister, little baby Jesus. It's Vaughn. Or Deuce Vaughn, Deuce McAllister, he was good. Deuce Vaughn, yeah, he was good. Uh, and now you're just railing on Bryce Young for being tiny as well. Like you're true. Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. People have been talking about like the Bryce Young thing. I think from a real life perspective, really, like could he see over the lineman? And like I don't, frankly, I just don't know enough about quarterback evaluation to even say whether the hype thing is like a good take or a bad take. I think it's probably a bad take because it's not like he's gotten any shorter, but he's always been really good in college, and I would <laughs> still be good in the NFL. But I, I definitely think like if people are wondering, he looks pretty athletic. Why doesn't he run more? It's because he's a tiny little guy who would get broken in half if a linebacker ever needed him. Like that's probably why he, he he doesn't run more. That would make sense. So when we are looking at fantasy football projecting, we are looking again at what is our anchor point for rush yards at quarterback, and then we're figuring out the passing yards from there, or or the then we add in the passing yards and we get to our fantasy points from there. So with Bryce Young, we're starting at basically zero because I don't think he's going to rush virtually at all. He's going to be a Tom Brady-esque uh, quarterback who stands in the pocket and maybe can deliver really well. Who knows? Uh, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, these are kind of the, the three levels of competent quarterback play of guys that don't move. And yeah. if Bryce Young is Tom Brady, I still don't know, aside from longevity, that Tom Brady would really be worth the 2.12 when we don't know if he's actually going to be Tom Brady yet. So yeah. even if that is in the range of outcomes, like Tom Brady, uh, I think it was his first year in Tampa Bay, threw for like 4,500 y- y- uh, passing yards and like 40 touchdowns. It was like QB 10. Uh, yeah. It was outrageous. So this is this is not yesterday's NFL. We're in the Because he's NFL. not even going to be – because Brighton's going to be a goal on runner either. Like, like Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence are examples of guys who don't really run that much between the 20s. But they like will run a little bit of the goal line either on sneaks or they'll do the little option play. But like you're that's because they're large. Like they're they're like six six, two hundred and thirty pounds. Like you're not I I just can't possibly envision calling up QB sneak with five eleven hundred and eighty three pound Bryce Young. It's just not happening. Yeah, there's just there's just not a lot of appeal from a fantasy football scoring perspective i i do think that bryce Frank Wright should be fired if he ever calls a quarterback sneak of bryce young it would be an insane thing to do the only worst quarterbacking or the only worst coaching job that he could pull off than calling a bryce young getting fired for jeff saturday would be getting fired for jeff saturday after benching matt ryan and inserting uh i don't even remember sam, that ellinger. sam ellinger into the starting lineup that would be the only worst coaching job he could do than inserting bryce young into a quarterback sneak a package so yeah he's just he's probably yeah. going to be at his very 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 peak like an 18 19 fantasy points per game player and that's his peak that's not like yeah a median outcome i mean My, he could hit his peak every season but yeah 
You get, you get my it. sincere hope, and I'm not. This isn't like a whole like time the market thing where it's like don't buy them now because you can buy them late. Like I'm, I'm just okay missing out for life if that's just what happens. But I do really sincerely hope that he has kind of a shitty rookie year, and I think it's pretty possible because his wide receiver one is DJ Shark or Adam Thielen, so that seems bad. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and you know we we already know like we we know that rookie quarterbacks are often bad. We know that the market sometimes has a tendency to overreact to rookie quarterbacks with bad seasons. I think that's going to especially be true now that they're getting valued higher coming into the NFL than they perhaps used to be. Um, and we also know that prospect profile carries more signal than year one production uh, going into year two. So Bryce Young like sets up to be that perfect bet where if he has kind of a bad year one. And he doesn't score any fantasy points and he doesn't look all that impressive where we can trust the process on him being good. And it would be awesome. I think to bet on like around five or six or even round four um, Bryce young heading into year two, where I think we would still have a lot of confidence that he's good kind of regardless of what he does this year, but you're getting a price where just being a good quarterback for a long time is a really massive payoff. And it's just not in the second round, but it, it might be in the fourth or fifth round. Completely, completely agree. We are, we are singing Kumbaya at this point, all in agreement. Bryce Young overrated, Justin Fields overrated. And, uh, and here we are. So on today's episode of Sweatin' Bullets, a bulletproof fantasy football podcast, we talked about how to trim the benches of your dynasty roster. But what if I was to tell you that there's even something more precious than your dynasty bench stashes that needs a little bit of trimming? That's right, the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast Network, including Sweatin' Bullets, is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped will help you trim the end of your bench so that you're in your peak performance and there's nowhere to get in more peak performance than the Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is waterproof. It reduces foot odor. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to reduce nicks and cuts when you're shaving your precious end of bench. It also, of course, reduces the risk of ingrown hairs, reduces the risk of grooming accidents, but massively increases the risk that you might become extraordinarily desirable to whatever sex you wish to attract in your sexcapades. Make sure to use the Performance Package 4.0 in whatever you wish to desire as you reach out in your endeavors. And if you are going to reach out and get the Performance Package 4.0, you simply must use code BPFF, that's Bulletproof Fantasy Football, BPFF for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this show. And again, that's code BPFF for up to 20% off of your performance package 4.0. Up next on the agenda is preseason is fast, the regular season is fast approaching, pardon me. We're only a few weeks away at this point. Is there yeah. a player or team that you are most excited to see what happens in week one? Oh. Um, yeah, I think that there is. Uh, and it's it's it, it's going to be in the game that features my favorite team, but it's, it's the opposite team. Uh, I'm really excited to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. Uh, I think that this has potential to be just an absolute must-see offense this year. The more I... So after the first preseason game, and it was the second, I don't, there was a preseason game where they played all their starters, but Zay Jones stayed on the field for all the two wide receiver sets instead of Christian Kerr. And my gut reaction to that was like, that's not going to happen in the regular season. Something funky's going on with Christian Kirk's way better than Zay Jones. Then I kind of did a double take at the stats, and they actually weren't that far apart last year in target earning. It was like 134 to 121. Their targets per route run were almost identical. Uh, Zay Jones actually doing on the higher dot, And that does not – I don't think that Zay Jones is good. We just have too much of a sample of Zay Jones being not good. So that really what that tells me is Christian Kirk is actually was actually kind of just okay last year. Uh, and I think he was kind of overrated for his contributions last year. 
We also know, like, Evan Ingram, um, you know, has been fine for his whole career, has his career year. If three receivers in the same offense have a career year at the same time, that tells me the quarterback's really fucking good because that's really weird that three wide receivers would have the best year of their career all at the same time by a mile. So I kind of view this wide receiver depth chart not as a crowded one, but as like just a bunch of guys who kind of had to play above their station last year that Trevor Lawrence really dragged the best out of. And then you add Calvin Ridley to this team, and you add another year of maturation for Trevor Lawrence, the second year in the Doug Peterson system. And I just think this team could be fucking awesome. I'm also fascinated to see what their running back rotation looks like. I'm fascinated to see just how healthy Calvin Ridley looks. And the Colts secondary is, is the worst secondary in the league, I, I think, by a lot. They're starting <laughs> um, two rookie cornerbacks this year because they lost uh, Stephon Gilmore in a trade, and then their other starting cornerback got um, uh, suspended for gambling, and they didn't sign any veterans. They're just they're starting Kenny Moore in the slot. They're starting two rookies on the outside. And then uh, they have a second-year UDFA free safety, and then another safety, Julian Blackman, who is a round three pick that uh, came off a tour Achilles and he was kind of bad last year and got hurt. So everyone there is like super experienced and they're, they're, they, they're probably brutal. Um, so I think that could be a game where Trevor Lawrence just rears back, throws it 40 times. They score a ton of points on just a horrible Colts team. And people are, are really ready for the breakout uh, in Jacksonville. I'm pumped to see them week one. That's uh yeah. All right. I, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, the team I was going to go with is actually uh, not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're in the, it's the Colts. It's the, it's the Colts. I want to see Anthony Richardson week one. Can't wait. No, it's going to get shellacked so hard. What's that? They're going to get shellacked so hard. The team that I'm excited to see in week yeah. one that I, I, I'm like very intrigued by is the Baltimore Ravens. I think yeah. uh, Todd Monken, I think Lamar Jackson's back. I think they have like a really high variance wide receiver room. Like they could have three good wide receivers or they could have none. I don't know. Yes. We'll find out. Super true. And they have Mark Andrews, whom I've always been a big fan of. So oh, uh, I, I just, I can't wait to see yeah, them. Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely. Oh my gosh. Nelson like, Aguilar. Oh my! This, the list goes on. The list goes Devin on. Devin Duvernay. Oh my God! Stop it! Do you remember when he fist the uh, Harbo like fist pumped after they picked Duvernay? Couldn't believe they got him. Then, well, he was their wide receiver one year. last year. What's that? <laughs> he was basically their wide receiver one for most of last year. Yeah, which is saying well, he wasn't actually. Demarcus Robinson was, but which, Devin Duvernay was the a lot. Which might be the reason <laughs> yeah. that we now have potentially three good wide receivers or not. <laughs> right. Yeah, they've added an entirely new starting wide receiver group. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun in Baltimore this year, I think, because I think that Monken fella is gonna really dial it up. I think they're gonna let Lamar pass. I think yeah. Lamar is gonna turn a lot of those pass attempts into incredible rushes. And it's just gonna be a tremendously fun like there's like Okay, hashtag I don't watch football, but like Lamar Jackson is must-watch TV. He's like absolutely must-watch fun TV. player to watch the NFL. He's he's the best, and I don't care what anybody else says. He's my favorite player in the world, and I like him more than literally anyone. So yeah, I'm excited so to see what's happening in, in basketball have, here. Lamar is my second most rostered or third most rostered dynasty player. I have Lamar Jackson MVP tickets. I have Ravens to win the NFC North tickets. I'm uh, I'm super in on this on what Todd Monken can do. I mean, I think two two of my most drafted players in best ball this year, Rashad Bateman and J.K. Dobbins. I, I'm just really in on this this whole offense um, this year. I think they, yeah. I mean, they basically last year it was like Lamar and a bunch of fucking dudes, and then they just and, and Andrews. It's like Lamar and Andrews and just a bunch of arena leaders. And then they just add an entire group of skill players back. Like they get, they get like a healthy J.K. Dobbins back. They get a healthy Rashad Bateman back. They get draft safe flowers. They add OBJ. Like it's just, and then they get rid of their donkey of an OC and add in an OC that actually is pretty good. So it's it's like night and day. I'm I'm super pumped to watch them. 
Yeah, yeah. As a as a make believe Steelers fan, I can't wait. <laughs> the the Ravens are going to be my favorite team this year. I can't. I'm, I'm all in. Let's go. I think Matt Harmon used to do like a what did he do? A life lifelong fan. Every I forget how we worded it. He's like a a lifelong fan of the whatever team, and he picks a team each year. Oh right, yeah. So each year. if I were to do that, it would probably be the Ravens this year. I'd be a lifelong fan of it's- the Ravens. Yeah, it's the Ravens for me too. I mean, I am a Colts fan every year, but I, I find myself kind of like semi-adopting a, a different team too, like to kind of add as like my, like, because I have my like Colts and then I have my like takes team where it's like, this is like the team that I want to root for all my takes. Yeah. Um, and like last year that was the Eagles. Uh, and now it's really fun. <laughs> um, uh, and then other, other years it's been not as fun. But uh, yeah, this year it's like for sure the Ravens. Like I, I'm just so heavily invested in, really all of their players in some format, like, yeah, Dobbins and Bateman and best ball, Lamar and Dynasty. Zay, I drafted a lot of Zay Flowers in Dynasty just because he was always kind of the last yeah. of that group. Um, I think I still actually have a lot of Odell in Dynasty because I, I don't think I ever, like, really got rid of him from two yeah. years ago when I used to be buying him, so he's still fucking kicking around. I think I, so. I, I might have sold, like, uh, I think I was looking back and I sold... Yeah, I still got 10 shares. <laughs> I think it, I think it was the year he tore his ACLs the first times or not the first time but like I don't even know how many times he's tore his ACL at this point three infinite anyway um, one of the years I think it was, I think, it was he, I think it's just two because one time he just broke his leg but oh yeah actually his first injury in New York I think was was like a yeah it was not an ACL it wasn't it was like an ACL it was like a high ankle sprain or, or fractured tibia yeah, yeah something like that. And uh, anyways, so I'm pretty sure that in 2020, I sold Brandon Ayuk, rookie year Brandon Ayuk for OBJ straight up when he was out with his uh, ACL. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm sad. I I am sad. Yeah, I bought a lot like of Bell Beckham during the Cleveland years and every single one of those trades aged badly. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll get it all back this year, I guess. All right, so who is the team that you are just – most terrified of not not like t- terrified is maybe the wrong word but like the team that you just the, the the train wreck or the team that you won't be able to look away from even though you know it's bad um hmm. well it has to be a team it, like for the wording of this question like is this a team that i'm hoping is good but I fear will be bad, or is this a team yeah. that like I'm gonna enjoy failing? Like I'm like rooting for their no, failure. Let, let's go with your team that you're hoping is good, but you're afraid is bad. Or or player okay. that you're hoping is good, but you're afraid is bad. Okay. I, I think that the answer for the hoping is good but afraid is bad is the Broncos. Um oh yeah, good choice. I'm uh like I'm not actually as invested in Russ as I used to be because I've catched up some other some other guys, but I'm still over Mark on Russ. I've been drafting a decent clip of Judy in basketball, but I it's I do feel that that's a pretty fragile bet. I really want the Dulcich thing to happen, but the vibes are pretty sketchy right now. <laughs> um, uh, the running back situation is like sketchy in the sense that I I like have always been pretty in, I was really invested in P Ryan and the Bengals, and then I've been holding this P Ryan bag, but I, I don't like, I don't really know what to expect from him. I don't expect from Javante. And then Marvin Mims, the guy I've really been investing in in best ball because I like the prospect profile, but I've lived through David Bell and I've lived through De'Ami Brown and I like could just see this happening to me again. So the Broncos are the team that um, I think could break my heart in like four different ways. And it's just like, yeah, I feel like that's one where we're going to know quick. Like if we watch week one and Russ just looks like the Russ from last year, I'm just turning off the remote of the Broncos for the entire rest of the season. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I'm gonna go with. I, and I like the I like the Broncos pick. That's a great pick because I think they they are intriguing in a lot of ways and also terrifying. Like they have so many question marks, and right. I think a lot of potential if it all comes together. But they like, do have potential. If Russ if, if Russ starts cooking again, they have interesting players. Like I'm very interested by Mims, very interested by Dulcich, I'm very interested. Russ by can the find backs. his recipe book. Watch out. Right, but yeah, it is it is a little scary, and and I think the big thing too is I was a little bit more bullish, and in the preseason game they looked like a total mess in two preseason games now, so I'm a little I'm a little leery. I'll put it that way. I've got three teams, and I I don't know which one to pick, and I'm just gonna scroll my wheel here and see where we get to. 
okay, we are on the Cleveland Browns. This is the team. Yeah, that, that was another one that I almost picked. Yeah. I I am in on Elijah Moore. I'm actually yeah, kind of in on Amari Cooper at cost because I think he's a mm, wide receiver. Not that on Amari Cooper, but yeah. I think he's a wide receiver too, or worse. And if Elijah Moore yeah, doesn't come out, I think Amari Cooper could be in for a big season if Deshaun ja- or Deshaun uh, Watson is is in fact back. I'm also yeah, very concerned well, that Deshaun Watson may not be back. <laughs> yeah, I was not concerned about that, but I'm starting to get a little concerned about that. I don't yeah, love. Coming I don't into love these the reports. Coming into the preseason, not, I was not concerned. No, I wasn't either. But I didn't. I didn't quite know like how. I didn't think that my fear on Sean Watson was very fragile. Like I thought I had a very robust belief in Deshaun Watson, but I'm learning that I had somewhat of a fragile belief in Deshaun Watson. Like I started reading those reports where they were like, he's been horrible at camp. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately got scared. <laughs> I, I did the exact same thing. I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, there's no chance this guy isn't good. He's only ever been good. Like he, he was good every year in college. Basically he was good every year in the NFL. And yeah, he's had a bunch of off-field problems for sure, but like we're talking on-field now, and he's going to get on the yeah, field. Yeah, and that would be be back. That would, if Deshaun Watson is bad, that would easily be the worst thing that could happen to my dynasty portfolio this year because I'm <laughs> really invested in Deshaun Watson, like oh, just yeah. super invested in Watson. Um, and uh, like he's obviously a really really high value player uh, and a really high leverage point. So if he is terrible um, and goes from like a three first round pick value player to like a one first round pick value player this time next year, like that, that, I mean, that would cost me like basically 34 first round picks across my dynasty portfolio. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, coming into preseason, I was like, yeah, we're back. Let's go. And now I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> Things aren't really happening the way I thought they would happen. And then I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm like skeptical of the offense and then I'm skeptical of Watson. And then I'm like, what if Elijah Moore isn't it? What if, what if the Jets were right? And then I'm like, what if Amari Cooper is in fact just a guy, like a good guy, but like a guy, not like right. he was last year. He was pretty good last year. Well, it shifts your view on the whole offense when you start bringing in the possibility that Watson isn't great. Because before I looked at this, I was like, Watson's going to be great. And all these weapons are kind of interesting enough that you can bet in on them. But yeah. none of them are so good that you're afraid of them when you start looking at the other players, which was yeah. like, I want to be in on all these guys. Cause I'm just like, Joku could be really good. Also yeah. could be totally not a problem for Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper. Elijah Moore could be really good. Also could be not an issue for the other guys. Amari, like all the same thing. Yeah. Um, but then, but like my base assumption was people in this offense are going to eat because Deshaun Watson is going to eat. Yeah. And then once I started bringing like, what if Deshaun Watson isn't great? And I'm like, maybe his weapons actually aren't all that good. Um, <laughs> and then this whole thing falls apart. And then I'm also a little bit afraid of like, I've been fading Nick Chubb pretty hard. And so that's the other thing that that's the other thing that scares me is like I can see this offense being good, but if it's all good through fucking Nick Chubb, then that's a disaster for me too. That's true. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you one other one that you're very familiar with. Yeah, and it's the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> well, you don't have to fear them being bad. They're gonna be bad. I, there's no fear. well. It's the degree to which they're bad. Like, I know they're going to okay, be the, bad. The degree is going to be high. They're going to be, like, unwatchable. I just I just want Jelani to, mm-hmm. to crush. Is that so much uh, for? Crushing in, for Jelani Woods this year is he gets a 70% route rate and earns, like, yeah. a 0.21% targets for route run, and then people are excited about him next year. But he, he'll exactly. score six fantasy points per game in that scenario. Yeah, he's not going to score a lot of fantasy points. I just want him to like play well enough that he is. That people care about him in the off season. That people care about him in the off season, and we can talk about the podcast, and I can get excited. That's, that's very possible. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I, and I want Anthony Richardson. Like, even though I'm like out on Anthony Richardson, I still want him to be like good enough to support some players. Like, I don't want him yeah. to pass for two thousand yards. I want him to pass for like three thousand yards. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, uh, I don't know. It's just I'm a little. I'm bit... in on. 
afraid. <laughs> I'm in on Taylor because, um, I mean, he's oh, I'm definitely not cheap and seasonal. And I, I kind of think Taylor can mostly succeed, like, kind of no matter what. Like, if Richardson is so bad, he gets benched. They bring in Minshew. That's honestly fantastic for Taylor. Um, if Richardson is horrible and they just start him, like, it's bad for Taylor, but he'll still, like, plug along. I think their run game is going to be efficient regardless because yeah. I think they're mostly going to play from behind. Teams aren't going to worry about giving them runs. And they're going to have, like, Stankin's a really great run game designer. They have a pretty talented offensive line if it stays healthy this year. And with Richardson's mobility and Taylor back there, if he indeed plays for the Colts this year, um, they're, they're just going to have so much talent in the run game that they're going to be efficient. Um yeah, I think their pass game is going to be a stone disaster. I mean, like Michael Michael Pittman is going to post like a twenty six percent target share and have nine fantasy points per game. Like I, I see that. He's going to so be Donald Looney this year. Yeah, like it's just I I have more faith in Richardson than you from a long term perspective, but it would absolutely shock me if he's a good passer this year. Like, like I I would be really I'd be really excited. Like I'm. I'm rooting for it. Uh, I mean, I'm like super excited about the future and I'm like really, I'm honestly, like, I'm more excited to watch Colts games this year than I've been in several years. Cause I, I just, like it's way more fun to me to just watch a team of a bunch of young guys learn how to play football than it is to watch like a retread team try to go eight and eight. But yeah. um, my expectations are so low. I, I think they could be the worst uh, team in the NFL. It would not shock me if they were the number one pick this year. If they're the number one pick this year, let's just go off tangent here. They're the number one pick this year. Do you want them to take Caleb Williams? Yeah. Caleb Williams? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no yeah, question, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's not even no, a no question. No question. Okay. Good. We're all. And I think that all... they and I think that they actually would like. I think they should. Like if they don't, <laughs> like I like even when when they talked about Richardson, like it was like they talked about it after the fact, and. Like, I don't actually think that people who run the Colts are very sharp generally, but I thought that they, like, talked about the Richardson thing in a really smart way, which was just they basically said, like, you only have so many chances to pick the top of the draft. We wanted to take the home run swing. We felt like he had the traits to be this elite guy, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it was like we 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 felt like we were in a position where we get to take a swing that you don't always get to take, and and so that's what we decided to do, and we, we swung big. But it was like I'd like to actually, like, took a pretty probabilistic approach to it. And then you even see that where like this whole season, like they talked about Sykin of like an Ursa has commented on it too, where they're just like, when are we going to see Anthony Richardson? And they're just like, look, like he's not as good as Gardner Minshew right now. They said, they said it like they weren't like he won the job. They're like, he's not as good as Gardner Minshew right now, but we want him to eventually be our quarterback in the future and he needs reps and we're going to give him reps and this season's about learning. Um, okay. Can they get on the like phone a smart approach? <laughs> yeah exactly right so like i think that they're actually taking a super charm approach to this season it even extends other positions like they asked chris ballard like hey you lost these two corners like are you going to replace them and he was like no we drafted two young kids and this is a development year we want to see if they can play like their their whole their whole year is basically just like like 21 of their 22 players were drafted by the colts 10 of them are like in their first or second year like it's just a full-on like let's just see what the kids can do and then we're going to find out which, what players on our team are foundational pieces and what we need to replace in next year's draft. Like, that's the goal for the team. And they don't really care if they win games, right? Like, it's a brand new regime. Everybody's all in on the future. Um, it's going to be fun for me as a fan. But, yeah, they could, they could have, like, 2,300 passing yards. Like, it might be fucking bleak. <laughs> on the you... bright side, though, this attitude, I think, helps, right? I don't think that they're going to do the Bears thing where they're going to be, like, the – we're going to try and lose games by less and we're going to never let him pass. I think they will let Anthony Richardson shock, not like a ton and he'll, he'll scramble too. So I don't think he'll be, you know, 35 pass attempts per game. I don't think he's going to be like 22 pass attempts per game. Like I think they want him to throw and they, they want him to, I think they are totally fine with him failing and learning from his failure. I think like it's fine for them if they lose a game 41 to seven. He happens to fail so hard that they end up with Caleb Williams. Then so be it. Well, Allow. Yeah. Who do you think they take another shot? I'm asking. I'm I'm adding <laughs> one topic to the show on this topic, like on topic of what we've been talking about. Who do you think? Who's your top three number one overall contenders? Caleb Williams, lottery winners. This uh, year, Colts, Box, Cardinals. 
Colts, Bucks, Cardinals. Car- Cardinals have to be really number one because they're really bad, and they also have the Texans pick. So I think they're getting like. Oh, they have the, te- the I didn't Cardinals. realize it. I forgot they had the Texans pick. That's right. Yeah, so the Cardinals, I think, like I think they single-handedly are the most likely or second most likely, and then they probably also get like the fifth or sixth most likely team. So they become way by far the, the most, most likely. Most most likely. <laughs> yeah, and then I think it's the Bucks number two, and then I think we're into a different tier. But I think it's probably the Colts. Um, like I think people people like think Richardson might be a disaster, but I think people have it in their mind that the Colts defense is okay because it has been recently, but it's not anymore. They they lost three legitimately good starters and they actively chose to replace all of them with rookies. Like so I, I don't think they're a good team. All right. I'm gonna I think I agree with you and I'm going to add a couple more to the sure. to the list just for fun. And I'm gonna put the Chicago Bears on there, the number one overall pick last yeah, year possible seems like a team that might be the number one overall pick this year considering guys will not like that they picked them in the nfc north <laughs> well i got news for you chicago Bears fans. it might get rough here uh like if if the pro- oh. you know, the prophecy has been foretold the justin fields right. will take over the nfl but if I that a- doesn't happen it could be scary i have a stealth team for you all right hit me what do you think of the New England Patriots? Oh, I, I don't know that they'd ever be number one. You think so? Like, is Mac Jones okay, that so here, here would be my take for it. All right. AFC East is fucking loaded. Okay. Bing, Bills twice, Dolphins twice, Jets yeah. twice. That I, I can see 0-6. They also play the NFC East, um, and that's pretty loaded up this year, too. Cowboys are... The Cowboys and Eagles are probably two of the three best teams in the NFC. The Giants, I don't think, are as good as last year, but they're like, okay, they could beat the Patriots. Commanders are are okay. They're like on the Patriots level. And then they get the AFC West, which is Chargers and Chiefs. We'll see what the Broncos are. See, the, really their only path to games that they get are the Raiders. Uh, and that's it. Their bonus games against the Steelers. So... <laughs> The Raiders. That's like it. Yeah, like Raiders are probably the only game all season that they're that they're going to be favored in. And listen to how bad their opening schedule is: Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins. Like that's like, yeah, that's they, like they, they could okay, be. Let's say they beat the Raiders. Be quick. Let's say they beat the Raiders, and maybe they maybe maybe they are like close to heads up to win home versus the Saints. But the rest of those, like they're over a touchdown underdog in every other one of those games. So I could see things getting ugly in New England. I'm going to give you another one. And I think I like this one. I, I I don't think I'm totally on board with you with the Buccaneers being like a strong contender. I think they're more in like tier two. This is for your me. Baker stand. No, I just think the team is pretty good. Like, I don't think they're like great, but I, I don't think they're as bad as some of these other teams. Zero right, Rashad White truther. <laughs> exactly. Me. Okay. Noted Rashad shoulders. Uh, I'm going to give you the Green Bay Packers because I think Jordan Love's terrible. I think virtually everybody in the offense is mediocre to poor. And mostly I just think Jordan Love could be literally the worst quarterback in football. I think that's possible. Yeah. I think that, I mean, yeah, the Packers are kind of like Colts of the NFC where they just like, they have a young quarterback. They have a ton of young players around that young quarterback. And they're just like, all right, figure it out, guys. Like that's that's very much the Packers' vibe this year too. Yeah, and I I think they've lost some defensive players, have they not? Or maybe I'm getting mistaken. Um, I felt like I they had a this. Maybe it was two years ago. I think it was more of an exodus a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But I I can't say that I follow like the Packers' defensive yeah, I mean, losses super closely. Um, mm-hmm. Like I only know the Colts. I only know like the minutia of the Colts stuff because I'm a fan, but. Um, I think the only reason why I would say not the Packers is just like they play slow, they run the ball a lot, they They're have keep good it running backs, they have like a decent offensive line. They they strike me as a team that like will inject more variance into their games um, just by like slowing everything down to a grinding halt and then maybe locking their way into six wins. Like I could see them kind of doing the Falcons thing from last year where it's like they aren't good, but yeah. they like they just play to juice the variance. Totally. Okay, now we're going to do one more one more section, even though we're over time. Hashtag sorry, Matt. 
This one can it has it is a pick for a division winner that is not probable, like a like a left field division winner. It can be any division, but one of them. Well, we actually just touched on mine, and this and I bet this one. Um, my pick is the Packers. The Packers uh, be division winner. Well, you said it's improbable, so I'm not picking a probable division winner. Um, but it's the Packers to me. A lot of this is my thoughts on the rest of this division. I think the Lions are a pretty overrated team. Like the people are are treating the Lions like some potential powerhouse. Um, thing about the Lions, their defense was not good last year, so it, it might be better this year. But I, I don't think our base assumption should be that they have a good defense. It should be like average or bad. Their offense was really good last year. And people are like, this is a powerhouse offense. The thing about that offense is that when you kind of zoom out, they have a good offensive line. Outside of that, they have one incredibly good slot receiver. No other wide receivers that we feel good about. Maybe Jamison Williams becomes like a useful player week seven. Maybe he is nothing at all. Everything we hear out of camp seems to suggest he's nothing at all. Uh, they have a rookie tight end who might be good. And then they have some really good running backs. Um, their quarterback is Jared Goff, who has made a whole career out of being terrible when you think he's good and then being de- decently confident when you think he's terrible. Uh, he's, he's just he, So I, I can, it's just all I'll say is we have a tire off season, everybody like taking for granted a team led by Jared Goff with really bad path catching weapons being great. How could that go wrong? I think it could go wrong. Uh, we just talked about the Bears. The Bears suck. Um, I think the Packers like should probably be favored to be better than the Bears, but maybe not by a lot, just by a little bit. And then the Vikings are like pretty exploitable. The Vikings were the worst 13-win team of all time last year. They were basically a 500-level team who fluked their way into a bunch of games. Uh, their roster probably got worse. They lost the guys on defense. Maybe they're a little better on offense, switching out Addison for Thielen, but... Uh, yeah, I think that, and Kirk Cousins is old. Like Kirk Cousins falling off a cliff, I think is, is like totally in play. So yeah, I think that I could see the Packers. If Jordan Love is better than expected, they have a lot of young guys on their team. So they're like a high variance team just because there's so many guys on their team. We don't know that much about. So the same way they could be worse than we could expect to be the worst team in the NFL. I also think we would be better than we expect. Uh, and I could see them grinding their way through to like nine wins. And I think this is a division that is like possible to win with nine wins. All right, fair enough. I'm going to go with, I think it may have been your first pick for first overall, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a potential dark horse division champion. It's a horrible division. Yeah, It's a horrible division, and the Buccaneers have, I think, some pretty good offensive pieces in Baker Mayfield, namely. And then uh, they got like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as well. I'm just kidding. They they actually have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans who are actually very good to good, I think. And then I think like Baker's probably not good, but he might also be like adequate. And then I think the rest of the team is like fine. So, and the division is so terrible. Like we have the Falcons who are Arthur Smith's. I don't even know what to say. Like I can't even find the right words to describe what I think about Arthur Smith at this point. And then they have Carolina Panthers with Bryce Young in his rookie year. Like it's just probably not going to happen. Uh, and the worst the still position group in the entire NFL, like a starting wide receiver trio. Uh, yeah, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo. That's embarrassing. I mean, it's rough when LaVisca can't make the starting lineup. They probably are pretty deep, actually, if you think about it from that perspective. Yeah. So, and, and then we have the New Orleans Saints, who are like, I think they have to be favored. and They, they are favored, but they are like a pretty fragile favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of my, my thinking around it. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers as a dark horse for division championship. Uh, they're only they they went they they went to the Super Bowl two years ago with a six round pick. Now they got a number one overall pick under center. So you have to take that in consideration. It's just possible. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the Bucks are good at all, but I I think you can do worse than just picking whoever is the lowest favorite team in the worst division of football. <laughs> Touche. By that same token, if I was to, if, well, I actually have bet this, but if I was to pick a stealth team to be the num to have the best record in the NFL this year, 
uh, I would pick the Jacksonville Jaguars because they play in the AFC South, which could house three of the worst 10 teams in the NFL. The AFC South plays the NFC South. So, and then they play in the AFC. So every other AFC division has like, three plausibly good teams, right? You have the Chargers and the Chiefs plus maybe the Broncos. You have the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns. And then you have the Jets and the Dolphins and the, and the Bills. They all have to play each other. And then they all have to play divisions that aren't the NFC South. Whereas yeah. the Jaguars get to play their own shitty division and they get to play the NFC South. So I could just see a scenario where like they just go roughly 500 against the other heavyweights. And while everyone else is just constantly losing games to each other, they go like nine and one in the games against their own division in the NFC South, just 500 at the rest of the way. And they win 13 or 14 games. They coach the one seed. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Sweat and Bullets. Jacob, where can the where can the masses find you if they would like to impart themselves with your wisdom? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Sorry, they can find me on X. Find me on X. <laughs> oh my god! Twice in a row. Yeah. So embarrassing. Don't give it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me on X at Jacob Anderson. I, I'm never. No one's ever going to call it X. Like it's just Twitter. We're all going to call it X because that's his name. It's like we all used to call you RTDB, and now we all call you Jacob Sanderson. It's the same thing. You change your name. Elon changed the name. It's it's fine. You're an Elon simp. (laughs) Big big Elon fan. Big (laughs) Elon fan. Let's go, Elon. Um, uh, Yeah, you can find my written work uh, on Substack. Um, I think we're releasing this like probably like close to a week after we record it because we just recorded two shows in a row. So I have no idea what the most recent article is that you'll find out thinking about thinking by the time you're listening to this. You my guess will not is, know which article it is, but it will be great. We know that much. My guess is it's going to be about running backs, but I can't even say for sure because I'm doing one article at a time these days. But uh, you can definitely find that by my updated seasonal rankings, updated uh, best ball rankings. And I, by the time you listen to this, you might even be able to find my most updated dynasty ranks. We'll see. Um, but yeah, find all the stuff up there. All right, and you can find me on X at DFB Counter, as always, and on Patreon at Bulletproof. I don't even know what the hell the handle is. Patreon.com forward slash Bulletproof FF. I believe it's Bulletproof FF. Yeah, there you go. I just can't remember if it was Patreon.com or Bulletproof, but yeah, yeah, it is Patreon.com forward slash Bulletproof FF. Obviously, I give out this address frequently, so please join us. And, uh, and that's it. Farewell. There you go. Hit again. Farewell, everybody.